When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Working Overtime, Working's bi-weekly advice-focused side hustle. I'm your host, Karen Hahn. And I'm your other host, June Thomas. Hi, June. How are you? I am swell. Thank you, Karen. How are you? I am also swell, or at least I, I hope I can manifest myself into being swell and not just like, okay, or fine. So, <laughs> but we're recording together, which is, I think, an auspicious start for me. Exactly, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so this week, I wanted to address a listener email. Did you say a listener email? I wanted to work it in as organically as I could. So I tried to hit the notes, but in a conversational way. Do you think it worked? <laughs> I think it did. I think your working in was pure organic magic. Thank you very much. It'll, it'll have to do until we fully produce a jingle anyway. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel Cass wrote in and here is the email that she sent to us. Do you have any advice for someone interested in exploring a new creative pursuit, but without much background to build on? In my case, I work in the book industry and would love to work on my writing skills. It's not that I have any aspiration to be a published writer. I don't have the drive and ambition and point of view for that, but I'd love to exercise those creative and technical muscles more than I do. Put another way, I love to read and feel like I'd be a better reader if I could learn more about writing. It seems scary to just dive in with no guidance, but I also think I would enjoy it if I could figure out how to start. Okay, so I want to start by addressing this question kind of on a more broad level, just to anybody who's thinking about kind of picking up another creative pursuit. But I do promise that we will specifically talk about writing as a creative pursuit later in the episode. But before we get to that, June, I wanted to ask you, do you have other creative pursuits? And what are they? I do, but I don't quite know what words to use for them because I'm not very good at the things that I'm about to mention. Like, it's very different to how I feel about writing, but as a hobbyist or in a very amateur way, I like to sketch and do the kind of journaling that I think I've referred to before as K-pop journaling, mm -hmm. because it's a style that's often used to write about K-pop bands or K-pop biases. Mm -hmm. It involves small pieces of paper and tiny bits of washi tape and lots and lots of layering. And I also like to make books and journals. And for me, it isn't so much about developing skills, though you do always get better at things the more you do them, as being about putting my mind on a sort of leisure track after mm -hmm, a day's work. Mm -hmm. You know, I absolutely love watching TV, so I'm always happy to do that. But I think I feel more satisfied when I spend time creating rather than just consuming. And I say just consuming because often you can combine things. You can yeah. sketch and journal 
and watch a TV show at the same time or listen to a podcast. What about you? I feel like I fall into sort of the same category as you do where I have things that I like to do. For instance, I've recently taken up piano again oh. um, after not having played it since I started college, basically. Wow. I, as you know, I, I like to sketch and like draw. And I also have a loom that I like set up but haven't <laughs> like properly used yet. Wow. Um, so I, there are a lot of things that I like to do. But I think the main thing that would like have any bearing on my writing at least is like I do think that drawing in a way does have something to do with it because you have to find a subject or come yeah. up with a subject and use your imagination to that degree. And also, again, my my D and D group perished after I moved to the West Coast Aww. and everyone else is still in New York. But that in itself it also sort of helps your writing skills because you have to figure out in particular, how to write, quote unquote, with this group, how to set up your character in a convincing way, how to set up an arc and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think it's also important to realize that the things you do for leisure can also count as creative pursuits. Yeah. I think a big piece of advice that's often given for learning how to write better is to read books. And similarly, I think that watching movies and TV, playing video games, they're not just passive activities. You're learning what you like as a consumer, as well as how to execute these kinds of ideas well, or what makes it go poorly, if you know what yeah. I mean. So would you agree with that in terms of like, something that you think of as passive could actually be more active in helping you. Yeah, absolutely. And I also really, truly don't understand how someone who doesn't, for example, love reading mm -hmm. could think that they'd be able to write. Or mm -hmm. maybe another way of putting it would be how much better a writer they'd be if they read. Mm -hmm. Or how someone could think that they could write scripts or comics or whatever without really living in those worlds. I mean, mm -hmm. that just feels really necessary to me. And if you live in those worlds, that means that you'll meet people either virtually or in person who have similar interests. And so that would expand the creative genres that people in your circle are working on, mm -hmm. which expands the world of ideas that you're exposed to. So all of those things can be transformative. And I think basically the message that we're both saying is anything that you work on that's creative mm -hmm. improves all of your creative activities. So yeah, I, I think it's absolutely essential to be into the thing you think you're going to do professionally. But also, if you just kind of want to develop skills, mm -hmm. you just got to try something, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it also boils down to what will sound like a very trite point, but it's like inspiration can come from anywhere. Like even just yes. hanging out with friends, going out to dinner, some random stuff that you talk about, like anything could feed into sparking your inspiration in a different medium, I guess. Right, totally. I also wanted to ask, how did you get into the creative pursuits that you now have, and have you been doing them for a long time? Most of my creative pursuits stem in a way from my lifelong love of stationery. <laughs> but in recent years, YouTube has really expanded my horizons. Like I got into urban sketching after discovering some Ooh. urban sketches on YouTube. And I started making journals again after I found someone whose aesthetic matched mine. Like it was purely her aesthetic. We have nothing else in common, but I really dig what she was making and mm -hmm. I really wanted to copy what she was making, which I think is a really great way of just finding something that excites you. Um, yeah. So YouTube has been really like transformative for me. It's a really kind of like almost disturbingly powerful platform. Like in mm. some ways it's just awful, but in other ways it does <laughs> open you up to so many creators who are doing really, really interesting and cool things. Yeah. Um, like my partner and I watch like a lot of cooking videos. I feel like that's our number one thing, but it's, wow. 
like pretty straight cooking videos too, where it's just like, here's how to make this dish. Then, but then like other things like really crazy compilations of outsized street food in Korea and just things like that. So it does feel like opening a whole new window. Yeah, I've also have watched a lot of Korean street food videos or Korean yeah. like Korean ramen. Like mm-hmm, I, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever had it, but I've watched so many videos. Like every time I watch one, I'm like, want it, want it, want it. But June, let's go to Korea together. All right, we're going. We're going. Okay. Go. Yes. Done. Okay. We've we've said it on the podcast, and now it has to come true. Yeah, it's got to happen. Yes. <laughs> So I I would say a problem with the creative pursuits that I have and enjoy those that I definitely don't devote as much time as I want to to them just because of the necessities of like work and other commitments. And like, again, I I said that I've started playing the piano again, but I want to spend more time on it. I want to actually use my loom. And also, as we've discussed in our New Year's resolutions episode, I want to use my Wacom (laughs) tablet more, which I I really I haven't done it since we recorded the episode. So I'm really falling behind. But it's really hard to find the time to do this stuff. How, yeah. do, how do you find the time or force yourself to find the time to, to devote to this? Well, it's really interesting that you said force yourself, because for mm. me, what's important is being very clear that this is relaxation. This is mm-hmm. something I'm doing to decompress from like work work. That makes it so much easier for me. If it's just something that I'm doing very casually while I'm watching TV or like while I'm shifting out of work mode, I can find the time, you know, just like I can somehow always find time to watch television. (laughs) (laughs) The things that I find hard to make time for are pursuits that feel like work, Mm -hmm. whether because I'm kind of trying to turn it into a side hustle and make money for it, or I'm like making it kind of heavy and taking it very seriously. So as long as I can just keep it on the level of like, oh, this is just a lark, yeah. I always seem to be able to make room for that. But I also don't know that that's quite what Rachel's referring to because it right. seems like she really kind of wants to learn. Still, I think you do learn if you devote time to something and it's easier to devote time to something if you feel like it's fun. June, I totally agree with you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com easy. Ramp.com easy. R-A-M-P dot easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hi, listeners. Are there any topics that you'd like to hear us address on the show? Do you have any questions for us that you think we'll be able to answer? Let us know by emailing us at working at slate.com or even better, you can call us and leave a message at 304-933-9675. That's 304-933-WORK. Okay, now back to the show. I want to address Rachel's question more specifically. What is the best way to start working on your writing skills? June, how did you get started writing? It was just something that I've always been obsessed by, you know, reading, writing, making stuff up. I used to spend hours and hours writing letters to friends, which I know makes me sound old enough to be a Jane Austen character. No, it's like back on Vogue now. It's cool again (laughs) to write letters and postcards. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) And then no matter where I was living or what I was supposed to be doing, I always seemed to find a magazine to write for. I mean, Mm. we're talking small and obscure, not, you know, national magazines or anything, but like local or kind of community papers. And I'm like totally a hermit. (laughs) I don't go out and put myself out there, but somehow... I always did whatever it was that I needed to do to make that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really aware of like, I've got to go and do this. It wasn't, you know, something that I wrote out, you know, a hundred times in my notebook. It's just <laughs> for whatever reason, doing that kind of work, even though it was work, made me happy. Mm. Um, and I should also say that I've never really studied writing. I'm not that much of a reader of kind of books about the craft of writing. Yeah. I've really, I don't know that I've taken classes But I've learned a lot from putting myself in situations where I had to write in different styles or on all kinds of topics. Like for me, the thing that has most improved my writing is being edited by great editors. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky enough to have that experience on many occasions. But that is something that's very hard to do if you're just kind of, you know, in the situation that Rachel describes, where she says she doesn't really want to do this you know, as a side hustle or as a job. She already has a job that she likes. She just wants to get a bit better. So that's something that I think maybe you could have a a writer's group, you know, and kind of give feedback among friends. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to say exactly the same thing. Like if you have a group of friends who are kind of of a similar mindset, I guess, and you can make it a kind of low pressure environment to Mm -hmm. write with each other and sort of grow with each other, then that might be a good start as well. I'll admit I didn't do a lot of writing after I graduated from college until I started freelancing, which I think was maybe like three or four years after I graduated. And the fact that I did get back into it was sort of similar to you where I enjoyed doing it. And more importantly, I was writing about stuff that I was passionate about, namely film and TV. Mm. Um, So I guess my advice on that front, uh, besides maybe trying to start a writing group with like-minded friends, is to think about what you want to write about. Like, what do you want to talk to your friends about? And you can just write those thoughts down and you're already well on your way. And to that end, even just writing a diary or keeping a record of the things you watch and read or eat and writing down your thoughts about those things can be really helpful to orient yourself, whether it's figuring out what's most important to you in any of those genres and what you really want to talk about there. I know a lot of other writing advice tends to be much more structured, like the Pomodoro method or doing daily pages, but I feel like that advice is maybe meant for people kind of further along in their writing journey, or as you sort of put it, when writing becomes more of a job and more of something that you are really devoting time to in that sense. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I I think, and also I think for 
you know, they work for some people. They really work for some people. I remember when we talked on an early episode of Working Overtime about the Pomodoro method, and it wasn't mm-hmm. really anything that really resonated for for any of us. And people <laughs> wrote in and said, it, it really works for me. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of these things, you know, try thing, try the all of the things that you just mentioned, and maybe they will be, you know, they really connect for you. I think though that for me what you said uh about just like just write write about whatever grabs your attention uh you know any moment that you have when you're waiting for someone you know i'm not saying don't get on your phone because phones are fun but you can also you know spend that time that you would be scrolling you know just making notes about yeah. what you had for dinner or you know the the tv shows that you've been watching you know some of the hardest things about writing are coming up with ideas, coming up with yeah. ideas that are fresh, that are interesting, expressing them well. Those kinds of practices, they're really about building muscles, you know, doing mm-hmm. them over and over so that you can do it when you have to. Even if you have a lot of talent, it's not something that necessarily just, you know, drops from the sky. So if you want to be a critic or if you feel that you could be a critic, you know, just write criticism, whether it's in your notebook or maybe it is on the web or on a blog. But wherever it is, that doesn't really matter. Although I do think it's probably more effective if you're doing it in public and kind of getting feedback. Pressure. Just, yeah. <laughs> and even if it's just a little bit of feedback. You don't need a ton of readers, you know, mm-hmm. just a small group of people who are maybe, you know, again, creating that kind of feedback loop. I think that's the key. Yeah. And I guess this is circling back a little bit, but I did want to talk about books about writing. My dad, for instance, was a huge fan of Stephen King's On Writing. And you said you you tend not to seek out those books or not find them helpful. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not a big reader of craft books, I guess they're called, even Mm -hmm. when I know that there are things that I need to work on. Like this happened again of a a recent episode of Working Overtime. Mm -hmm. I know that and when it comes to writing, I have a bit of a weakness when it comes to structure. I find it very <laughs> difficult to outline. That's just not how my mind works. Structure always just seems to kind of emerge from the process rather than mm-hmm. something that I, you know, scaffold and then fill in. And I would like to change that or at least maybe have more control over it. But mm-hmm. even when I'm told about good books on the topic, you know, Isaac recently recommended a couple, you know, they sounded great. <laughs> I bought them. I didn't read them. You know, I just don't feel kind of motivated to do that. And, yeah. and it's not because, you know, I'm an intellectual who only reads the great text. You know, <laughs> I have a terrible weakness for productivity books and I read lots oh. and lots of those. Uh-huh. And I actually do find them helpful, but around like organization and time management rather than language and, you know, working with words. So, I guess the short answer here is, you know, whatever you connect with, whatever you actually enjoy reading and thinking about, like find that and and just have fun with it. Yeah, I I feel like it it also almost is a sort of difference between like, you know, when people learn better when they hear the thing and then people who learn better when they do the thing. I feel like we both sort of fall into the latter category where it's like I would rather than reading a craft book, I would rather be working with an editor who will work with me actively and help me grow as opposed to reading it and thinking I'm becoming better because I've read Stephen King say X about writing. Yeah, yeah. And I hear that that's an amazing book. And I might even yeah. have read it, but it didn't really <laughs> stick with me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take another little break, but we'll be right back after this. 
Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. All right, now back to our conversation. So we've talked about, I guess, reading, writing books and working with editors and a writing group. But I'm curious, are there ways to learn how to or more about writing that don't involve actually writing? I don't know about like excluding writing altogether, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest one thing. As I mentioned before, I'm an absolute sponge for productivity (laughs) content. And I would recommend that anyone who's interested in writing nonfiction, I'm not sure it's particularly as helpful for fiction. And I think it might be especially useful for like articles or even Twitter threads or shorter things. I would recommend everyone go to YouTube and search for Zettelkasten, one of my favorite words, or Mm. linking your thinking or personal knowledge management. Mm. And I know those are some broad terms. So if you go to the show notes, I will suggest two or three good resources, places to start. Mm. I think that the first video you watch you will either know whether this is something that you want to watch more of or you think it's utter bunk. But mm-hmm. I just think that there are certain techniques for like keeping track of your ideas or keeping track of even thoughts mm-hmm. uh, that just really can be quite generative, can really help you just figure out what it is that you even want to write about, what it is that if you had, so, you know, just imagine, okay, if I had to write every day, what would I write about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of us can do that for about three days and then it's like, um, <laughs> but if you can kind of build a system that helps you figure out, okay, like what what is it that interests me? What is it that I want to tell the world? I think that can actually be pretty I don't know, generative is the, is the word that I can't escape from. I don't want to ask if that sounds like nonsense to you, because I suspect the answer might be yes. And that would, No, not that at would all. Def- <laughs> but what, what do you think? Are there anything that you can, do you think that you can learn about writing without actually writing? As I was thinking about it, I almost worry that I've already said the answer, which is just <laughs> to like, well, maybe here's the slight variation on my answer. Think about the movies and TV shows that you really like. See if there's a writer in common with any of those. Or even just if there's like one movie where you're like, the writing on this is so incredible. It's just amazing. Figure out who the screenwriter is. See if you can even find a copy of their scripts online or something. Or just seek out the other movies that they've written on and then watch them. Because 
you'll get a better idea of how this person works, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is specifically kind of geared towards screenwriting or maybe f- kind of more fiction writing in general. But there are also a lot of podcasts out there, I think, similar to what you're saying about finding YouTube videos that are around this topic, where mm-hmm. writers will talk about their process and craft and what's important to them in crafting a story. It's sort of, I guess, the equivalent of like, creating your own college course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is maybe yeah. not too fun, but hopefully more fun because you get to watch movies and TV and stuff. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people say it's kind of the ultimate compliment for like, just to give an example of a particular genre that I'm thinking of, let's just call it like the New Yorker piece. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know, deeply reported, very stylish, sometimes just stylish piece. <laughs> sometimes you read one, and you like it so much, you just want to kind of read it. And, you know, as I said, I'm not a structure person, but mm-hmm. sometimes they're so good. You just want to like sit back, read it again and figure out how did they do that? Yeah. You know, how did they catch me right at the beginning and really just bring me all the way through to the Absolutely. end? What, what were the techniques that they used? Did they use a kind of ABC kind of thing that you might be aware of when you're looking at poetry? You know, just try and figure out how they did it. You know, again, if it's a piece that you didn't particularly care for, that's not going to be productive. But if it's something that you're just like, oh, my God, that was so amazing. You know, I think one writer who a lot of people talk about doing this with, like Janet Malcolm, you know, I've read her book so many times. And yet I always think, how did she do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are certain writers who lend it to you, but it's really whoever's work you connect with. Yeah, I'm sure Rachel is already sort of doing this because she says that she loves reading and doing this kind of stuff. But I guess our tip into before you start writing anything is try to think about the works that you like more structurally or kind of more analytically and see what you can take away from that. Yes. All right, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Hopefully you find it helpful. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have ideas for other things we could do better or questions you'd like us to address, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at working at slate.com or give us a ring at 304-933-WORK. If you'd like to support what we do, please sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. You'll get bonus content, including exclusive episodes of Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood, and you'll be supporting what we do right here on Working. Big thanks to our producers, Kevin Bendis and Cameron Drews. We'll be back on Sunday with a brand new episode of Working, and in two weeks, we'll have another Working Overtime. Until then, get back to work. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.